Please stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place and, by your, and all by yourself and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. 
Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we going to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, Well, how many loaves have you? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000 men. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts help us to live and love like you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There was a survey conducted by the National Sleep Foundation that found that 47 million American adults suffer from sleep deprivation. Now, if we think about it, that's almost a quarter of the American adult population. So that's like a lot of tired people, and it's a serious problem. Fatigue and exhaustion can have serious consequences. Lack of sleep can affect our physical and our mental health, but it can also be deadly. The results of the survey are clear. Many Americans, too many Americans if we think about it, are tired. They need to get better sleep. But do we really need a survey to tell us that? (laughs) Just ask somebody how they're doing these days and listen to what they have to say. You might hear something like, Well, I'm exhausted, I'm running myself ragged, I'm wiped out, I'm spent, I'm running on empty, I just need a nap, or how much caffeine do you have? People are tired these days, and they'll tell you so. But have you heard of the term compassion fatigue before? I feel like in the last couple years, this has been kind of one of those buzzwords around You experience compassion fatigue when too many things that require your care and compassion happen in a short period of time or over a prolonged period of time. It just never lets up. You can think of this as like certain professions are more likely to develop compassion fatigue, like think medical care, think um, nonprofit, think teachers, think therapists, right? You get the point. You give too much, and then you have too little after years to give. But it doesn't just happen within professional groups. We, as a society, as a people, 
we get compassion fatigue as well. When we hear too many negative stories, when we see the destruction after a huge natural disaster and just feel like the problem has too many, has, the world has too many problems, and we don't really know where to even start. In our gospel text from Mark today, we see the first moments of the disciples returning on the very first mission that Jesus has sent them out by themselves. It's earlier on in chapter 6 that Jesus does this, and the disciples, they're excited and probably have a bit of compassion fatigue as well. But they have all these stories to share with Jesus, inspiring stories of of healings, of exorcisms, of sharing the good news to anybody and everybody that they encounter. Now, I'm sure that they had some hard moments as well, some frustrating moments of failures or rejection, and they really just needed time. They needed time to be with Jesus, to process out the good and the bad of what just happened to them. And Jesus doesn't miss a beat. He can sense it as the disciples are talking and telling these stories. They need rest. So Jesus tells them to get away, right? But don't, just, but don't forget that Jesus probably needs a break himself. Do you remember that super uplifting story that Pastor Rhodes got to preach on last week about John the Baptist being beheaded by King Herod, right? Super uplifting. Everybody left feeling great. Jesus had just lost John the Baptist. This story starts right after that story ended. And if you remember, John the Baptist is Jesus' beloved cousin. John the Baptist is the one who jumped in his mother's womb when Mary came to tell Elizabeth that she was pregnant with Jesus. The one who baptized Jesus and spent a lifetime out in the wilderness preparing the way for the day that Jesus arrived. So it didn't help that Jesus, in the middle of this first mission of his disciples, also lost a very good friend and cousin. It probably just confirmed to Jesus that his own end would be something of that sort. So Jesus says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and let's rest just for a while. He says this to the disciples as the crowds continue to swarm around them. So they get into a boat onto the Sea of Galilee. Come away with me. I hear both tenderness and longing in those words. Yeah, Jesus probably wanted to provide his disciples with some time of rest and relaxation. But Jesus himself is weary and tired and compassioned out, maybe. But here's the thing. The crowd saw Jesus leaving, and they needed him. They literally followed Jesus along the shoreline as they were in a boat racing ahead. By the time Jesus pulled his boat up to shore, there was a huge crowd already gathered there, plus more that had come out from the other towns and villages. They wanted to be in Jesus's presence to see the world the way that Jesus did, to see the miracles that Jesus would do and perform for the people, to hear Jesus teach these lessons that turned the world and the structures of power completely upside down. So they followed, 
whether Jesus needed rest or not, whether compassion fatigue had set in or not, there they were. On the one hand, Jesus was unapologetic about his need for rest and solitude. He saw no shame in retreating when his disciples needed a break. But on the other hand, Jesus never allowed his weariness to overwhelm his compassion for God's people. Because unlike us, Jesus, the Son of God, realized that he was the last stop for those aching, desperate crowds, those sheep without a shepherd. Unlike us, Jesus's personal boundaries were less important to him than his desire to love one another. Verse 34 says, as Jesus went ashore, he saw this great crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things right there in that space. He had compassion for them. He saw them for who they were, sheep without a shepherd, people who needed to know the loving, saving power of God. And Jesus didn't back down. Jesus's compassion doesn't wear thin, even as he continues to repeat the same teachings, the same lessons, the same healings, the same saving activities for those that followed him and for us again and again and again because we fall short and because our needs come first. While Jesus walked on this earth, compassion infused his life and his ministry And Jesus took compassion beyond just what he taught the people, right? Remember, Jesus was welcoming children, reaching out to the condemned prostitutes, the hated tax collectors, the unclean lepers, and healing many who came to him for relief from illness or handicap or disease or whatever it was. Jesus saw God's people. He saw the hurt and the pain And Jesus was the one that was here to show us a glimpse of what the kingdom of God looked like. So Jesus did that time and time again. He saw their hunger for learning. They wanted to learn more, so he taught. And eventually Jesus saw their physical hunger for food. And so the feeding of the 5,000 happened. It was late, and the disciples were starting to get anxious. There were too many people here. There was not enough food here for all of them. There's not enough room. There's not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough. The list could go on and on for excuses of why the disciples shouldn't have fed them. The disciples wanted Jesus to dismiss the people, but we're talking about 5,000 men, not counting women and children that are leaving a deserted place. Do you remember that? They're in the middle of a deserted place, as Jesus said, to go find their own, or as, as the disciples said, that they could go find their own food in surrounding villages that we know would only be able to serve maybe a hundred at a time. Seems pretty reasonable, right? Well, not for Jesus. Jesus comes back with one of my favorite quotes in all of Scripture, and Jesus says this, you 
You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now I can just imagine like all the blood draining from the disciples' faces at this point. Compassion fatigue, right? We're tired. We were just trying to get away, Jesus. But those that Jesus called to follow him, those that Jesus trusted and sent out into the world to reveal God's love, those that Jesus taught intimately about what God's kingdom looked like, those disciples went pale in the face as Jesus' words rang through their head. You, you give them something to eat. They still didn't see what was so incredibly obvious right in front of them. They still didn't get that with Jesus, anything is possible. Maybe not in the way that we think, but there's always enough. With the compassion and love of God, anything is possible. And so Jesus did the unthinkable that day, and he fed 5,000 people. Now, Think of the contrast that this meal was to that elaborate banquet King Herod threw, and that was the reason for John the Baptist's death that we heard last week. King Herod had this worldly kingdom, right? And this kingdom was a kingdom of scarcity, of exclusion, and of destruction, where Jesus shows what God's kingdom is like through this meal. Jesus is announcing that God's kingdom is a kingdom of plenty, a kingdom of inclusion, a kingdom that gives and creates and recreates out of what seems to be nothingness. Jesus fed the 5,000 that day because he knew that the kingdom of God was bigger than sending them off to find their own food, their own way, their own basic needs. Jesus fed the 5,000 that day because he wanted to turn the power structures of this world upside down. It doesn't make any sense, but there was more than enough at the end. Jesus fed 5,000 that day because of his compassion, even, even when Jesus was probably feeling a little depleted himself. Carolyn Lewis says this, that the Greek word for compassion has its roots in a word that means guts, that seat of feelings, right? That feel it in your gut quote that we hear. Jesus had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, they were lost. They were lacking guidance, but more so they were in need of care, of protection, of pasture, of tending, of nurture. But for Jesus, Compassion is not just a feeling, but a doing. And Jesus had to show the disciples that were gathered there, the people that were gathered there that day, that compassion is inherent to discipleship. Compassion is a requirement on our part, and even more so an urge on our part. It hits us in our gut, and it sends us into motion for the sake of the world and for the sake of others. You know that feeling deep in your gut that then radiates throughout the rest of your body? Well, it will not go away unless you let it go into the places and the spaces 
that need it the most and need it desperately. But I think that all too often, sometimes we feel that place in our gut and instead our compassion remains complacent. We might feel it, but we don't know anything to do about it. We don't know how to act on it. We don't let it move forward. There's no compassion unless it's felt by others and felt deeply. Compassion moves us to action, but compassion can also be this beautiful opportunity for some like radical reorientation of ourselves. Because when we see God in one another, when we have compassion for our neighbors, God leads us to a place of reordering our whole entire lives. We might purge away some of the things that seemed important to us. We might realign what is really important in God's eyes, all so that we can bring about God's kingdom here. Because that's our work as Christians. That's our calling today through this story of Jesus's compassion. You want to see 5,000 people fed? Well, pull out what you have and share it. Then, maybe if you share that compassion and that love, the person sitting next to you will see what you're doing, and they'll say, hey, you know what? I have some fish, and I have some bread too. Let me share that as well. And before you know it, there is more than enough love and compassion and food to go around. Because the miracle today in this story is compassion. So how are you going to let compassion move you? How are you going to let God's compassion for this hurting world move you into action this week? Amen.